Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. All right, guys, good morning. How's everybody doing? So good to see everybody. Uh, you guys can come on in, and uh, there should be notes on your seat. So if you don't have a set of notes, maybe just look in the empty seat next to you. If you if we run out of notes, uh, just raise your hand. We'll we'll get uh, somebody from uh, Oakland to make some make some copies for us. So anyways, everybody doing good this morning? Yeah. All right, awesome. My name is Jay Shug, and uh, man, I'm honored to to hang out with you guys uh, for this session. Uh, I'm a pastor at Community Fellowship Baptist Church in Huntsville, Alabama. And so have the privilege of being a pastor for uh, 11 and a half, almost 12 years. And uh, man, we're going to talk about the process of spiritual growth uh, this morning. Uh, yesterday, you heard about the philosophy of discipleship from Thomas, if you were in the foundations track yesterday. And so today actually builds uh, on that foundation that Thomas laid uh, of, of why we do discipleship. Today is really, we're going to just walk through what God's process of spiritual growth from the Word of God is and, uh, and I think, truthfully, for, for me, this is, as, especially as a disciple maker and a pastor, uh, the things that we're going to learn this morning are, are critically important uh, because it gives us kind of the process that we should understand biblically. So as we're discipling people, and I know we even have some pastors in the room uh, this morning, as we're pastoring our flocks, uh, we can actually understand biblically what that maturation growth process should actually look like. And so uh, just a little bit about me. I got saved uh, when I was in college. Uh, I was 21 years old. My best friend in college led me to Christ, shared the gospel with me, brought me to his church, and he introduced me to Decatur Baptist Church. Uh, many of you know uh, Pastor Joe McKeg. That's where Joe's the pastor now. And so uh, I, I joined that church. I got baptized there. And, uh, and then there was an older man in our church that actually said, hey, I, I've seen your, your, your testimony and saw you get baptized. Uh, I want to disciple you. Amen. And I was like, what's that? And, and how much does that cost? Like, I don't even know what you're talking about, right? <laughs> and so, and he was an older guy in our church. And, uh, but man, he, was, he loved the Lord. He was a faithful man. And uh, he said, well, I just want to teach you how to walk with Jesus and how to have a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'd just gotten saved. I didn't have really a Christian background and so uh, for the next year, a little over a year, uh, I met with this man. He brought me through a discipleship process that helped me grow uh, in my relationship with Christ. And, uh, and then God used that church to continue my, my training and, and gave me opportunity to serve in ministry. It gave me opportunity to lead other people uh, in discipleship and then lead a small group. And then later on, had the opportunity to lead a department of, of uh, college-age people and then, uh, by God's grace, allowed us uh, many years later to, to be sent out uh, to take over a, a small church in Huntsville. And so, uh, man, I, I'm passionate about discipleship. It's just a process that, that God used to transform my life personally. And so when we, we talk about these things this morning, and especially this process of growth, uh, I've been able to, to see my own life uh, as God has moved me through maturity and still maturing me. And, uh, and so, man, I'm just thankful to be here, and I hope, I hope we have a good time together. So let me pray for us, and uh, we got a lot of notes this morning, and uh, we're going to get right into it. Uh, we also have Cody Head. He's a, he's a pastor at our church, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick us off. Cody's going to finish uh, the, the process this morning, and I'm blessed to be able to do that with him as well. He's a, he's a beloved brother. Um, I had the privilege of discipling him 
uh, many years ago, and, and we get to do ministry together, and that's a blessing. And so uh, the fact we get to even do this together uh, is really cool. And so uh, we're thankful to be here this morning. So let's pray, and uh, we'll get right into it. Father, we need you this morning. Thank you so much, God, for what we've already heard uh, this morning. Thank you for Brandon. Thank you for Kenny. And uh, Lord, just the, the wisdom and the maturity uh, that you've put in this fellowship, God, of, of men that know how to lead uh, leaders and, and that know how to be transparent uh, in their life and their walk with you. And, and sometimes even the challenges of ministry, God, uh, just being able to how to navigate that biblically. Uh, thank you for those men, what they're teaching us. And uh, Lord, thank you for your word that reveals all these things. Thank you that, that Lord, your book has the answer, just like we learned last night, uh, that everything that, that we'll, we'll come in contact with in this life can be answered according to your word. And so, uh, Lord, as, as we study this morning, uh, give us wisdom. I pray that, that every person in this room, God, you have something for us, uh, each individually, for the pastors in this room. Give us wisdom. Uh, Lord, as we lead our flocks, as, as we disciple people, give us an understanding of this process so uh, we can do it effectively according to your word. And uh, we'll give you the glory for that. We ask it all in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you've got a Bible, you can open to Second Peter chapter 1. Uh, is where we're going to start. And, and so th- this morning, I want to, before we actually get into kind of the stages of spiritual growth. I want to talk about the process of spiritual growth and how important it really is. Uh, I spent about 20 years in the field of physical therapy. And so uh, part of my training uh, early on in in our our medical training, we had to go through like things like human growth and development, right? If if you're going to work on people in physical therapy, we, we worked on people. We didn't work on shoulders and elbows and knees. We worked on humans. And so in order to work on humans, we had to understand how humans grow and develop and then also how to look for uh, injury and pathology and how to correct that. And so, and so I say that to say that, that God has a process that we have to understand concerning spiritual growth. Uh, this passage is probably familiar to many of you, 2 Peter 1, verse 5 to 7. It says, Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith... And there's seven things that God's Word tells us to add. Virtue, first thing we need to add is virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. And so just a couple of key points to kick us off uh, this morning. We need to understand, number one, that the process of discipleship and, and spiritual growth is subsequent to salvation. In other words, once we get saved, spiritual growth has to follow. Spiritual maturity has to follow. In other words, salvation is not the end goal. It's actually the beginning of the process of spiritual maturity in our life. And especially as pastors, we have to understand, man, as we preach the gospel, as we reach our our communities with the gospel, as we empower our people to share the gospel, when people get saved... Okay, that's praise the Lord, but now there has to be a process of spiritual growth that happens subsequent to or after salvation. And so Peter is writing this. He, he's giving admonition. He, he's saying, okay, listen, there, there is, there's some amazing things that God has promised us. And, and we see, I think it's in your notes. It's 2 Peter 1 in your notes. You can turn there real quick. Uh, but as, as Peter begins this epistle, He talks about in verse 3 that God's divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that called us to glory 
and virtue. And even in verse 4, he says, whereby we're given exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Okay, and so what, what Peter is trying to, to help us understand is that salvation is not the end of our spiritual growth and journey, but it's actually the beginning. And so that passage in verses 5 to 8, we're going to refer back to that a lot because, because Peter tells us that there are some things, once we have faith, we need to add some things to our faith, not to become more saved, but certainly to become more like Christ, okay? You're not, you're not getting more saved than what you already are, but there are some things that we have to add to truly grow the way God intends us to grow. And so we have to learn to, that we, we have to add some things to our faith. And then, and if you go back to that verse in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 to 8, the, the text begins by saying, and beside this, giving all diligence. And so that's the next point in your notes. As, as we talk about spiritual growth and the process of discipleship, it's going to take diligence. But listen, it's not going to just take some diligence, and it's not going to just take due diligence. The Bible tells us that in order to grow and to add to our faith things that will help us mature, it's going to take all diligence. And, and what that means is with all haste, with all carefulness, with all forwardness, and with all striving. In other words, we won't become disciples of Christ with half effort. You, you and I won't grow the way God intends us to grow with minimal diligence, with minimal effort, with minimal time, with minimal sacrifice. It takes all diligence. And, and even as, as pastors, as we lead people and disciple people in our, our congregation, and, and by God's grace, we make disciple makers, it's going to take all diligence. It'll take everything we have. It will have to consume our life. And, and as, if you haven't heard it already, man, that's worth giving your life to. Truly, the, the ministry of making disciples is really why we're here. And so we ought to just pursue that with every bit of our being, right? We, we ought to just pursue that with the rest of our life. Yeah, you still need to work a job and, and pay your bills and, and do all those things. But the thing that gets the focus ought to be man, making disciples, adding these things to our faith so that we can grow and helping other people add them to their faith so they can grow. Okay, And then number three, the process of discipleship follows a specific sequence. And again, if we go back to our, our root passage, verses 5 to 8, it says, Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. And there are seven things that are added. Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness. And I'm going to say these things over and over again, and you'll probably have them memorized by the time you get out of here today. But I, but I want you to understand that there is a unique sequence and specific process in which we are to grow. Uh, God doesn't tell us to add to our faith knowledge. He actually says to add to our faith what? What does the text say? Virtue. And, and listen, virtue is different than knowledge. And this is free because they're spelled different. <laughs> and if you can figure that out, you too can be a pastor and a preacher because they're different words. And they mean different things. Knowledge is not virtue. Virtue is not knowledge. And, and there's something specific that gets added to faith. It's virtue that gets added to faith. 
But then knowledge gets added to virtue. And, and as we talk this morning and go through this process of spiritual growth and development, this sequence is critical. And listen, if you're a pastor in the room, our understanding as pastors of this sequence is critical for, for those in our congregation. Because many times when people get saved, it's not uncommon for us as pastors and ministries leaders to say, okay, the first thing that you need now that you're saved and you've got the gospel is a ton of knowledge. And so we're going to put you in classes. We're going to put you in institute. We're going to, we're going to just teach you sound doctrine. And, and I'm not skimping on doctrine. We need, to, we need to teach doctrine. But there's something that actually comes before knowledge in the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's virtue. And we're going to go through and see what that really means according to the Bible. So, so this sequence is critical for us to understand because, listen, if we get out of sequence with our disciples and the people that we pastor, well, the results aren't going to be what God intended for us. As a matter of fact, we'll see some passages that talk about knowledge is good, but if knowledge is applied at the wrong time in a disciple's life, it can actually cause them to be puffed up. And you'll have people in your church that know a lot of Bible that don't live any of it. And I don't know about you, but you know, you probably don't have those people in your churches, but you know. In Huntsville, Alabama, we might have maybe one or two. I don't know. So, you know, uh, and some of them aren't here. So, and some are. Now, I'm just joking, man. Was, you always got to throw shade like, when you're a pastor, right? The, nobody else's church has this problem. And so, and so listen, w- without an understanding of this sequence, the reality is that we will build disciples disorderly, okay? Faith is the foundation, right? For by grace are you saved through faith. Right? And, and we're, not, we're not questioning that or challenging that. But once a person has faith, the sequence in which they mature is critically important. So again, I, I go back to my medical uh, profession, and again, 20 years in physical therapy, and I got to do a lot of cool stuff. You know, it is interesting that, a, that an infant, a baby, goes through a, a pretty systematic process of physical growth and maturation. And, and they go from being completely dependent to laying and then rolling and then, and then be able, being able to get on all fours and beginning to pull up physically. And, you know, as parents, we, we watch our children and, and we, you know, we can't wait. Well, sometimes we can wait because we know what it means. But then we're looking for the, the moment when they can take their first steps, right? But there's actually a whole lot of development muscularly, neurologically that happens before they ever take their first step. And as a matter of fact, if you move too fast in human growth and development and you push a kid to walk way too early, it could actually cause problems down the road. And we can get into some weird conversations about that. But, 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 man, the goal is for sure walking and independence and ambulation and balance and all those things. But listen, there's things that have to happen leading up to that to make sure that they've grown properly and that they've developed properly. And so, and so we used to have, don't think we're weird, but in physical therapy, we would even counsel parents like, okay, well, uh, the movement's not right, push them over. You're like, man, that's sick in the head. Okay, <laughs> we're weird. Okay, physical therapy is pain and torture. So anyways, all right. So, but, but man, if you don't get the right development and rhythmic movement and all those different things, even though you're walking, you're actually not walking right. You're actually not walking right because there's neurological and muscular things that need to happen. And so, and so concerning discipleship, we have to understand this process sequentially if we don't, we're going to build a disciple disorderly. And so Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 10, I'll just read it. 
Paul says, according to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation and another buildeth thereupon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. So when we talk about making disciples, and, and, and listen, the first thing is you need to be a disciple, but then you need to trust God enough to be a disciple maker. How you do that is critically important. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 40, let all things be done decently and in order. Okay, so God is a God of order. And because of that, and because God has given us, you know, things in His Word that reveal a spiritual process of growth, if we don't see our own life established sequentially, and if we don't see the life of our disciples established sequentially, the reality is we will never truly progress and grow as disciples of Christ, and we won't reproduce disciples of Christ. And so, and so this sequence is critically important. Now, 2 Peter chapter 1, and, and you'll, you'll have to turn there, but, but I want to give you one last point, and then we'll, we'll get into some of the levels of growth. Here's the last point concerning the process. The process of discipleship guarantees results. And there ain't too many guarantees in life. But there are a few in the Bible. There's some promises that God's given us that you can bank on. And I want you to look at 2 Peter 1, verses 8 and 9, because Peter, as he, as he, he goes through this sequence, and he talks about this, this sequence is the bridge between God's promises and results. Look at verse 8. He says, For if these things be in you, and the, the, these things is the seven things that he just mentioned that needed to be added to your faith. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is what? Blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Now, miss, listen, that, that's some dynamite passage because it tells us a couple of things. Number one, that word if is conditional. And, and God tells us, okay, listen, if, if these seven things that we just looked at are in you, it's going to have an effect. It's going to have a result that's guaranteed in your life. Okay, so what are the, what are the results that will happen? Well, if we do these seven things and we add these things to our faith, God's Word promises, number one, that we're going to be fruitful. And I don't know if you've been paying attention or not at DiscipleConf, but, but being fruitful is kind of the point. It's what brings God glory, right? That we bear much fruit. And so if, if anybody in the room says, man, I want to be used of God, I want to be fruitful, well, the, the way you do that is you, you grow according to God's pattern. You trust God to grow through this process, and then you reproduce that in the life of other people. And man, listen, the Christian life ought to be a fruitful life. Not perfect, but man, we ought to be bearing fruit. We ought to be bearing fruit for our, through our life for the glory of God, not for our own glory. You remember uh, Penina and Hannah yesterday morning, right? Brandon, Brandon taught us through that. Like, listen, the fruit is not even for our glory. It's for God's glory. That's why we ought to desire to bear fruit. And so God gives us a promise. Man, if you, if you grow right, you will be fruitful. Number two, he, he tells us that if, if we grow right, we'll never fail. Okay? Or never fall. Excuse me. Look at, look at verse 10. 
Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. And listen, even if you do fall, you can get back up, right? But, but there is a guarantee that God gives us that, that, man, as we grow biblically, we can get on our feet. You know, the, the falling, falling happens when you lose your balance, if, if, when you trip, when you get pushed over. But the reality is, even if that happens, you're able to get back up. But man, there is kind of a guarantee that, listen, if you, if you, if you grow, well, the, the chance of your falling becomes less and less. It comes with spiritual maturity. And then number three, if we grow properly, the Bible tells us and promises us that we'll have an abundant entrance into Christ's kingdom. Okay, verse 10, 2 Peter 1 and verse 10, For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and again, you've kind of heard it through Troy. You've heard it through other teachers this week that, man, one day we're going we're gonna to stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to enter into His millennial kingdom. And re the reality is how we live this life and, and what we have done in this life will actually determine our reward in that life. And man, uh, we want to have an abundant entrance into, into God's kingdom. And, and, it, and it matters what we do now. It matters if we, if we disciple people and become disciples and reproduce ministry. What we do now matters. And so, man, if we add these things, it gives us the opportunity to have an abundant entrance into Christ's kingdom. And as much positive result as there is, well, there's also some negative results. So maybe you're sitting here and you say, okay, that sounds great, but I'm not really interested. I don't, I don't care to do that with my time, energy, the focus of my life. I'd rather just do what I want to do. Okay, and, and, and it's easy to think that and think, I'll get out of this thing unscathed. God says you won't. Actually, there's just as much uh, warning and negative result if we don't grow properly and if we don't grow our disciples properly. And so let's look at the negative. If we don't add these seven things to our faith, God warns us that, number one, we become spiritually blind. Look at verse 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind. And, and listen, you can be saved and be blind. You can be blind to the things of God. You can be blind to the Word of God. You can be blind to the ministry of Christ. You can be blind to your own need for maturity. And you can be blind to the need of maturity in, in the lives of other people. And, and so listen, in order for us to see what God wants us to see, we have to grow and mature. And, 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 so, and so He gives us a warning. The second admonition is this. If we're not careful and we don't add these seven things to our faith, we won't be able to see into the spiritual realm because Peter warns us, he says, not only are you going to be blind, you won't be able to see afar off. And, and if you, you know, study Colossians 3 and some other passages, man, God, God gives us direction on where we should fix our eyes. You know, Colossians chapter 3 tells us we ought to be seeking things that are above or Christ sitteth on the right hand of the Father. There, there's things that, that, that your eyes and my eyes should be focused on, but listen, that only comes with maturity. If we don't grow and our disciples don't grow, can I just tell you that we're going to experience spiritual 
nearsightedness. The only thing that we're going to be able to see are the things right in front of us and we'll never have an eternal perspective on our life, on our ministry, on our churches, on our relationships, on the point of everything. We'll be spiritually nearsighted and we will miss the big picture of ministry and life. And it's only 70, 80, 90 years and then eternity. And man, you would hate to miss out on this narrow window and just be blind to what's happening and only see the things right in front of you, only to have your eyes fully opened in eternity and realize, man, I missed it. I absolutely missed it, right? That, man, let's don't miss it. Let's add some things sequentially to our faith so that we can see. And, and listen, this next warning is probably the most concerning. Because God says you can be blind. He says you can be spiritually nearsighted. And then number three, he even says, if you're not careful, we can forget that we are even saved. It says in verse 9, the last part of that verse, that, that this person that's not added these things to his faith, that hasn't put these things in his life, he has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So you mean to tell me there is such a thing as a Christian that's so backslidden that he doesn't even know he's saved? Well, according to the Word of God, yes. Because he didn't grow and add things to his faith, and listen, man, we, we like to argue that point, but salvation is secure. It happens in a moment. There's a new birth, and genuine repentance and salvation creates a life in Christ that's eternally secure and sealed. But that doesn't guarantee that you're going to have it figured out if you don't grow. As a matter of fact, there are people, I believe, according to the authority of word God, that, man, put their faith and trust in Christ and yet never grew and have gotten to the point that they have even forgotten what they were saved from or even that they're saved at all. You say, well, I don't agree with that. Well, okay, you take it up with God and His Word, whatever. Man, we'll have a tendency to revert back to living like we did in our lost condition if we don't grow according to God's pattern. And, and, so, and so this process of spiritual growth, it's so important. And because of that, we need to understand it. Okay, so, so now in your notes, if, you, if you'll flip to the next page, what we're going to do is, is take you through seven stages of spiritual growth from the Word of God. And, and you've got this nice little uh, uh, picture. You guys got the picture on your notes? And, and so these seven stages, and I'll just give you the seven stages. You can see them. We're going we're to look at spiritual babes, spiritual little children, spiritual children, spiritual young men, spiritual fathers, spiritual elders, and then spiritual aged men. And, and those are the seven stages of growth revealed in the Word of God. But we don't want to just give you those seven stages. What we want to do is show you that each of those stages happens at a certain milestone. In other words, there's characteristics that define each of those seven stages. And then secondly, there's also a deficiency in each of those stages. In other words, okay, so, so we're going to define what a babe in Christ is and when that happens. But we're also going to show you from the Word of God that, man, there's a deficiency there. That, that a babe in Christ is not a mature follower of Christ. And then thirdly, we're going to show you how to move in your life and as well as the people you're discipling from that stage to the next stage. So you guys okay with that? All right, so if you're an engineer, you're like, yeah, man, give me that process and make it out. 
And if you're not an engineer or think like that, then you're probably like, good grief, get me out of here. Okay, so, <laughs> all right. So, so we're going to walk through these things. And again, man, we, we got, I don't even know what time it is. Let's check our time just to make sure we're good. Oh, yeah, we got, we got like an hour. So, uh, so if we get done early, we all get to go eat lunch together, right? Is that the way it works? All right. Who's buying? Uh, you, I'm buying? Okay. No, this is, this is Oakland Heights gig. Anyways, okay. Any OHBC people in here? Any credit card holders in here for OHBC? <laughs> Barbecue it is. Okay. All right, so let's go through these seven stages. Again, we want to define what the stage is biblically. We want to see what happens at that stage. We want to see the deficiency because God's not done with you at that stage. And here's the key, how to move from that stage to the next stage. Because if we don't understand that, we, we are going to have trouble growing people in the Lord. And so let's get into it. Okay, so no, the first stage is number one. Uh, we're going to see babes, babes in Christ, Okay. And the milestone is spiritual birth, okay? And so, and so this happens at a moment. It happens when a person receives the gospel of Jesus Christ by faith. There's a new life. There's a birth. And because of that, man, we can rejoice. Everybody gets excited about the birth of babies. Man, it's, it's an, an amazing thing to rejoice. But listen... You know how it is, man. If you're a parent, I mean, I remember we have a 12-year-old and a 7-year-old. And so uh, when my, my wife, when we had Nora, my, my oldest daughter, you know, it's like, okay, man, we're just so overwhelmed. New parents, go through the whole thing. You know, you're expecting. They, you go through all. The, do any of you guys go through, like, the, the new parent classes and all that jazz where they teach you, like, you know, don't wrestle with the kid for, like, the first year. Don't drop them. <laughs> you guys didn't take the classes? You didn't take the classes? Okay. okay. Am I the only idiot that, t- that needed the class? <laughs> well, some of that stuff seems obvious, but maybe not so much. You know, I actually wrote in my notebook, the, 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 uh, the instructor said, uh, no wrestling with your baby for like the first year. I actually have a note in my little notebook, like Allie's looking over and I'm writing it down, like no wrestling first year. And I'm like looking at the date. Okay. <laughs> Because a year and a day, we're going down. Okay, so anyways, so, so yeah, man, listen, uh, spiritual birth is amazing, but then, you know, we spent a couple of days in the hospital, and, and you kind of have, you know, you, you start the feeding thing, but then the nurses can take the baby and, and give mom a break and all that stuff, and then they, like, kick you out, right? They, they send you home, and it's like, what are we supposed to do now? Like, uh, we got we to gotta feed this kid. We got to change diapers. We got to bathe this kid. We got to do all these different things. So listen immediately after birth, there are things that are necessary for new Christians. And, and, and listen, as much as we want to just get them, hey, come to church, and, and they should come to church. Man, there's got to be two specific things that they really got to have in their life to grow. Number one, they need milk, okay? And I, are the verses in your notes? Okay, so 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, right? God compares our salvation to a birth. And because we're babes in Christ, there, there's sustenance that we need. As newborn babes, and this is a commandment, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Okay, now we didn't bring either of our daughters home, set them in the floor and say, hey, knock yourself out. There's food in the fridge. 
make yourself at home charcoal outside. You want to grill a steak, knock yourself out. We, I didn't even grill a steak and give them that. I, I mean, you have to be very cautious, right, right. with a babe. Uh, the only thing they can tolerate is, is a mother's milk, and that's pre-digested food. It's food that's been broken down and delivered in a way that that babe can receive it. That's critically important. And so listen, a new Christian needs the sincere milk from the Word of God, but the way that they receive that is through a mother. It's through a mother, okay? And so in your notes, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul talked about his ministry in Thessalonica, and he likened it. If you don't know the story of Paul's ministry in Thessalonica, he was only there three Sabbath days. So, so it was a very, very short time. Persecution drove him out of Thessalonica. Here's what he said concerning his time there. He said in, in chapter 2, verse 7, that we were gentle, no wrestling the first year. We were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her, her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. And, and, and so listen, as, as a new believer in Christ, and maybe you're a new Christian in the room today, uh, let me tell you, the thing that you need is, is the, the broken down, sincere milk of God's Word, but you need it delivered in a way that you can receive it. Uh, you need to receive it through, prayerfully, a discipler, a, a pastor that can take the, the complexity of God's Word, the meat of God's Word, and break it down in a way that you can digest it and begin to grow. Does that, does that make sense? And so as pastors, we have to be mindful of that. It's cool to teach the meat and, and, and dig out the meat and all the different things. But we have to understand, man, if we got babes in our, in our churches and if, if we got babes that are people we're discipling, they need the sincere milk of the Word. And, and so in order to grow out of this babe stage, you've got to have a hunger for God's Word, but you also have to have a mother who can deliver it to you spiritually. And, and we would call that a discipler. And so e even if you're in the room and you're a disciple maker, now you begin to see, hey, the way I bring God's Word to this new Christian's life is critically important. I need to make sure that they're receiving milk, and they ought to have a desire for milk. And, and, and they ought to, to, to naturally want that because they've been born again. Okay, so what does a babe in Christ know? And, and here's, here's some, some characteristics of this stage. Number one, they know nothing... <laughs> Except Jesus is God, Jesus is the Lord, that Jesus died, buried, and rose again, and that they were a sinner separated from God. Do you know what this is? This is the gospel. And do you know that babes in Christ don't know anything else except this? But if they know this, they're saved. They're born again. They're alive in Christ. Okay. And, and so... How, how, do they, how do they grow? They need to add virtue. And again, we're going to just parallel. And I don't even know. If that, is that in your notes? They need to add virtue. I'm looking at my notes. I'm thinking, oh, I've been missing something. Is that in the, it's not in your notes. Okay, so they need to add virtue. Just write it in your margin. For some reason, I missed. Uh, they need to add virtue. And virtue, and just write it in some white space, virtue is just doing what you know to do. Uh, 
Oh, I got behind in my notes. I apologize. It actually is in your notes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. See, you guys tricked me, man. I asked you and you just didn't. All right. So, here's, yeah, that's my fault. I, I got my note. I never print two sided, and I printed my notes two sided, and now I'm just confused as to where I'm at. So, I apologize. Here's the deficiency babes in Christ are carnal. They cry. They poop their pants. Is that okay to say? They poop their diaper, whatever. Man, they, 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 they scream a lot. They cry a lot. Listen, carnality is a sign of immaturity, but that's okay. You need to be thankful for carnality because, because many times it means there's new life in the church. There, there's new life. And so, man, listen, if you don't view it through that lens, you're going to view carnality as a problem. But if it's on the heels of new birth, that's not a problem. We should expect it. And so we shouldn't get wrapped around the axle about it. Okay, so as you study babes in Christ in the Bible, listen, here's some characteristics. They continue to obey the sinful desires of their flesh. I mean, when Paul dealt with the Corinthian church, he said in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 1, Brethren, I couldn't speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. Listen, even as unto babes in Christ. And so he says, listen, you guys aren't even mature yet. You're still acting carnal as babes in Christ. Okay, and again, Paul dealing with the Corinthians, he says, listen, you're carnal. Whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? And can I just tell you again, listen, when I got saved at the age of 21, I didn't have faith in Christ at a young age. And so at the age of 21, where your life looks many times a certain way and you're making decisions and if you're if you're already given over to your flesh as a lost man there's just things you're doing and a way that you talk and a way that you carry yourself that is completely opposite of the gospel and opposite of, of what brings glory to God and so listen the day after I got saved I still didn't have it all figured out I had I had language issues that I had to deal with I had lust issues that I had to deal with I had no clue about what the word of God had for me if if you looked at my life the first week after I got saved, I wasn't ready to make disciples and pastor a church. I, w- I was still going through a, a growth process. And so, man, listen, this, this, is, this is normal, and we should expect that in babes in Christ. Number, number two, babes in Christ need to be fed because they're incapable of feeding themselves from the Word of God. And this is just my personal opinion on this. You can, you can take it or leave it, but, man... If we just give a new Christian a Bible and say, good luck and God bless you, we've just, we've just hurt them. Now, we ought to give them a Bible, but we ought to be a mother that can help, help them understand God's Word, right? We have to be able to feed them from God's Word. So again, Paul dealing with the Corinthians, he says, I have fed you with milk. Paul, Paul had to be the one that delivered to the carnal Corinthian church the Word of God, and it was very specific, I've given you milk and not meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you yet able. Okay, so, so let me just make an a, a, a observation. Many times when, when, when we have the privilege of discipling other people, let's say you went through a discipleship process, and now you're growing and maturing, and then, and then your leadership has entrusted you to disciple other people. Well, you're also still growing. And you're in things like ministry tools and training or Discipleship 2 or LFBI or whatever, whatever it is. You're continuing to grow. And the natural tendency is to take what you're learning 
the meat at that level and dump it on that new disciple. Does that make, does that make sense? Man, let me tell you about dispensations and the kingdom of God. And now, let me just go ahead and tell you who the Antichrist is because I got it figured out, you know. And man, <laughs> that new Christian is like, you know, you, you've given them meat and they're, they're dying. You're choking them. They need milk, right? They, they got to have milk. And, and, and you need to be able to discern, hey, man, you can't handle this yet. You don't even need to say that out loud. You need to have the discernment to say, there's some things I don't need to just teach you yet because you're not able to bear it, right? And by the way, people did that with you. You just didn't know it. If they were wise, they did that with you, right? And, and so Paul's doing that with the Corinthians. Number three, babes in Christ are unskillful in the Word of God. They're just unskillful. Everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a, a babe. And so listen, it, it, it takes time to move from a babe in Christ. Babies are focused on themselves. Feed me, hold me, notice me, change me. So there's an internal carnal focus, and that's okay. That's to be expected. But what needs to be added to move them out of that baby stage is virtue. And now I'm back on my notes. I figured it out. Okay. So virtue, by definition, is a voluntary obedience to the truth. Add to your faith what? Virtue. It's choosing to do what you know to do. And, and listen, when I got saved, there were just some obvious things that I knew I needed to stop doing. And there were just some obvious things I knew I needed to start doing. I didn't even understand it. But there was some sin that, that was just obvious that I probably need to stop doing that because... I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm, I'm born again. This sin is what has separated me from Christ. Christ has saved me from this sin and the consequence of it. I need to stop doing that. I need to start going to church. I need to learn about this Christ who saved me, right? I need to, I need to start reading the Bible. I don't understand it. I showed up at church, 21 years old, uh, brand new in the Lord, wet behind the ears, all that good stuff. And the dude leading our Bible study was teaching on Israel and the tribulation and the second coming of Christ. And man, I showed up at church thinking, what is this dude talking about? What is he talking about? I have no clue. I just was a really decent note taker. So I just kind of took notes. But man, even in all of that, I saw Christ. And then God put a man in my life to disciple me, to give me milk and to help me grow. And I'm thankful for that. So, so, so I began... I began to understand that there were things I needed to start doing and things I needed to stop doing. That's virtue. And so if virtue is preceded by knowledge, man, our disciples are going to get puffed up. And, and Paul warns the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1, knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Okay? And so, and so if we add knowledge first and deep doctrine and all those different things and, and, and a disciple doesn't begin doing what they know to do, well, listen, you're going to have a problem on your hands. So a disciple has to, has to start with desire. A babe in Christ has to want it. They have to want to grow. You can't want that for them. Uh, and that's a struggle in ministry. It is a struggle. People get saved, and, and you want them to grow, but they have to want to grow. And so every person in this room, don't take this the wrong way, but you're accountable for your own growth. You have to desire it. And if you desire it, God will put the people and the pastors and, and the training in front of you. As I read the Bible, man, people that genuinely wanted a relationship with God and, and the Word of God, God always got it to them. It starts with desire, and you got to want it. 
And so, and so as a disciple of Christ, we have to desire that for our life. You can't be discipled unless you're willing to obey God. Okay, so, so we're going to talk about adding, our, adding to our faith virtue. That's really just worship, man. It's, it's, it's a willingness to change whatever you need to change in order to be right with God. And I can remember, man, that early, those early lessons in discipleship just kind of wrecked my world because I was confronted with the truth of God's Word, and this is right, and then I had a decision to make. Am I going to submit and yield in these areas in my life, right? That, that is what it takes. That's adding virtue to your faith so that you can grow. Okay, and then quickly, let me go through the second stage, and I'm going to turn it over uh, to Cody to take us the rest of the way. Okay, so, so a babe in Christ is not spiritually mature. They're carnal. They need to add to their faith virtue. And, and once they begin exercising virtue, they can now transition to this stage called little child or little children in the Bible. Okay? And, and we see that phrase several times through Scripture. And here's what little children, here's characteristics of these little children. Number one, they know that they are saved. And so we're going to talk about the issue of eternal security and actually nailing down the issue of eternal security in Christ. That's a key marker in this stage. A babe in Christ may still struggle with their salvation. Did I pray it right? Did I say it right? Did I, were the stars aligned? Did, did the exact word, okay, listen, man. If you've, know, if you've been in ministry for any amount of time, there's been people, maybe some of you in this room, you've struggled like, man, did I say it right, do it right, mean it right, okay? And it's not uncommon to question that. What, what separates a, a babe from a little child is that now a little child has nailed down the genuineness of their conversion. They know they're saved, okay? Look at 1 John 2, verse 13. I write unto you fathers because you've known him that's from the beginning, I write unto you, young men, and notice the different spiritual uh, ages, fathers, young men, because you've overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you've known the Father. Little children know they have a Father. They've nailed down the genuineness of their conversion, okay? Number two, little children understand the nature of the relationship with the Father. They begin to walk with God, talk with God, and admire God. Okay? And so this relationship with God begins to develop. It's a right relationship. First John chapter 2 is, is the pass, is just the reference in your notes, or you got the whole passage. You got the passage. Look at it real quick. I'll write unto you, little children, because your sins are, are forgiven you for his name's sake. If you Skip down to the last part of verse 13. I write unto you, little children, there's that phrase again, because you have known the Father. Okay? So, so they begin to know God in a personal way. Number three, little children are humble. They're humble. Jesus said in Matthew 18, verses 3 to, three to 4, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same as greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so, man, little, little kids, spiritual little kids, man, they're humble. They know they don't know nothing, except they know they're saved. That's all they know, right? They're, they're, not, they're not fighting for positions of leadership in the church and, and looking for attention or opportunity. They're just glad to be there. 
You know what I'm saying? Okay, but here's the deficiency. They still need to grow. Their deficiency is instability. Because as they're learning to walk with God and talk with God and have a right relationship with God, the reality is they're still getting their spiritual legs under them, okay? Um, And so it's not uncommon for spiritual little children to continue to stumble and to fall into sin. Again, as pastors, as ministry leaders, we need to appreciate this principle and when people still struggle in their growth and they're, they're man, they're still dealing with their flesh and, and they're, they're still kind of whacked out on doctrine or, or depending on what they got saved out of, if they came out of a cult or a system of false doctrine, and man, they're still stumbling into that and, and, and questioning that. Well, that's normal. And, and it takes time and it takes maturity. So, so 1 John 2, again, my little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but the sins of the whole world. And so little children will continue to to still stumble and fall possibly back into the sin that so easily besets them, and and that's okay. It's okay in the sense that it's part of growth, and and they need to grow through it. Does that make sense? Okay, And 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 then next, look, many baby Christians struggle with the assurance of their salvation. We mentioned this earlier. A little child has nailed down this, but, but again, man, if you haven't nailed this issue down, and I don't mean this offensively at all, but if you haven't nailed down the genuineness of your conversion, it's going to be really hard for you to grow past that. I don't think you can. It doesn't matter how much you know if you still are questioning whether or not you're really saved according to God's Word, that's a maturity issue. And you are still, you still need to just come back to the place that you just believe what God's Word says concerning your sin and the sufficiency that you have in Jesus Christ. And I, and I mean that as an encouragement because, because there are people in our churches that, man, they struggle with that for years and years and years. And, and until you just believe God enough to trust... It's going to be hard for you to trust anything else that he has to say. You've got to nail that thing down. And, and, and so babes in Christ struggle with that. Little children know. They, don't know. they don't know a whole lot, but they know they're saved. Okay, And so, and so you can hear their speech. Man, they, 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 they want to talk about the who, why, and the why of, of, of Christianity and ministry. But listen, little children that know they're saved, they're not spiritually mature yet. So now they have a deficiency. It's instability. How, how do they grow past that? They need to add knowledge. So knowledge gets added to virtue. And I think that's on the screen. Yeah. This is critical. And, and the reason, i got to quit rambling so Cody has time, but, but Cody's going to kill me. You're welcome. <clears throat> Listen, this is critical because knowledge doesn't get added to faith. Knowledge, knowledge gets added to virtue. And so, listen, once a, once a disciple of Christ begins to do right, they can learn more so that they can obey more. It's not knowing for knowing's sake. It's knowing for obedience's sake. And that's the difference. And if a person can't exercise virtue, more knowledge is not going to help them. And it won't help you and it won't help me. 
And, and, so, and so they need the knowledge from God's Word, and, and so, and I think that's in your notes, yeah, once they have the moral strength to do right, we add knowledge, not so that they know more, but so that they can obey more, all right? Uh, they begin to grow. They need more knowledge from God's Word. And just a couple of things about knowledge from God's Word. Number, number one, it, it transforms us. God's, God's Word is able to transform us, Romans 12, verse 2 says that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, right? That comes through knowledge. Knowledge from God's Word, secondly, renews us. Okay, Colossians chapter 3 talks about we put off the old man with his deeds. We put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And then thirdly, knowledge sanctifies us. Okay, it sets us apart. Jesus even prayed for his disciples and he said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And, and, and so a person that's in this little child stage, they know they're saved. They're beginning to walk with God. And now they need the knowledge of God's word to help them to continue to mature. But that knowledge has to be added to, to virtue. And so part of the discipleship process, and, and James is really going to submit this all together tomorrow, when he talks about the goals of discipleship, as we move people through the process of discipleship, and if you use lessons, 18 lessons, 12 lessons, it doesn't matter, whatever you use, if you don't see virtue all the way through that, you truly don't have discipleship. So, so, so any new disciple I have, man, when we're going through a lesson, if the lesson's on prayer... I don't want to just give them the knowledge of prayer. I want to see it applied in their life biblically. And, and if they don't take that knowledge and continue the virtue piece, they're not going to get it. I've just given them knowledge and it's puffed them up. Does that make sense? And so as a good parent, I want to make sure, hey, hey, listen, every lesson, as we even add knowledge, we're adding that back to virtue. We want to make sure that you're doing what you know to do with the knowledge that God gives you. Does that make, does that make sense? Okay, and so, and so I want to introduce Cody Head. Cody is uh, our, our worship pastor at Community Fellowship Baptist Church. Uh, we've had the privilege of ministering together for, for a long time. We're both old now, and so, uh, but he's a good friend. He's a, he's a dear brother to me, and he is a uh, good steward of God's Word. And so he's going to take us through the, the remaining stages uh, so we can see this process continue. Thank you, brother. Uh, you know, I stand before you. I'm a humble humble. I'm humbled to be here, but I'm an example that discipleship works. Um, and as I'm listening to Jay and kind of, you know, thinking back to some of the things that I went through and are still going through, uh, this is part of my discipleship still that I'm standing before you today because um, he, he told me, you know, we're going to do this and you're going to do part of it. So, um, but as I was listening to what he was saying, the theme that kind of was kind of running through my head was seeing and sight. And so I did want to take just a second, and I think we've got enough time. Who is a pastor in this room right now? Okay. All right. Okay. And then who is a currently discipling someone else right now? Okay. And who is currently being discipled right now? All right. So we have all the different levels. We have all different stages right now. And so what we see 
is a process, and we see that that process works, right? Uh, and we also see, and we're going to see as we go through this, as, you may, as we go through these stages, uh, the identification markers, but you may also see some of these characteristics, even where you're at, even though you may be on a different level or a different stage, you still may have some of these things that you are dealing with. Uh, so, you know, the process never stops. Whether you're a pastor, whether you're discipling somebody, or whether you're being discipled, uh, there's always, the point is we always want to be growing and moving to that next stage. Uh, so the next stage, with that being said, is a child. How many parents do we have in the room? Yeah, bless your hearts. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I have three children myself. I have a uh, 13-year-old son, and then I have twins that just turned seven, twin boys. So uh, you guys can pray for my wife, uh, you, the ones that go to church with me. After church, every Sunday, my twins are just ripping and roaring you know, through the sanctuary, and uh, it's, it's, it's fun time. So. Um, but as we see as we're going through these stages, uh, we see that a milestone happens, and we're seeing for this milestone for a child, uh, we have spiritual knowledge. And it's important that we understand that that knowledge is spiritual. Uh, we don't want to be influenced by the secular world. We don't want to be influenced by uh, anything other than the Word of God at this stage. It has to be spiritual knowledge that we're following. Uh, and that's what we see, that spiritual children are followers of God. You're following something. No matter which state, no matter where you are in this in this uh, process, you're either following God or you're following yourself, uh, or you're following the things of this world. Ephesians five one says that be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And what we see is these spiritual children that they know how to walk. Uh, they know how to walk in love. Uh, Ephesians five one and two says be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Dear children, walk in love. As Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Uh, and it's important as we walk in through these stages and we walk in love and we, we are following God uh, that we do this in the right fashion. You, can, you have a walk and you're either walking orderly or you're walking disorderly. Uh, Timothy talked, Paul talked about that to Timothy, that we, there's a way that we ought to be able to behave ourselves in the house of God, right? Uh, and so these are the characteristics that we need to be uh, exhibiting to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. The next thing is we want to walk in light. Ephesians 5, 8 says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And so just like what we've been saying this whole time, you know, the reason that Paul had to write these things to Ephesus because there was still a tendency to walk in darkness. Uh, there was still a tendency uh, for that old man to creep up. And so, you know, we need to make sure that we're putting on the new man every day. Uh, and so that's a choice that you make. It's a choice that I make. Uh, you, you can be saved to the day as long. You can be a pastor and still put on that old man. Uh, and, and so it doesn't matter what, what stage you're at, that you have to be mindful of that. Next thing is we want to walk in truth. Spiritual children know how to walk in truth. And why do they know that? Well, it's because they followed the order that we've, we've looked at. They're walking 
uh, because they've added knowledge and they've added that knowledge to virtue. So we are doing what we know to do and then we get the knowledge and so we walk in a right fashion. If you get those steps out of order, well, guess what? You're walking disorderly. Jay mentioned that, that he's, uh, you know, got a physical therapy background. I'm an MRI tech. Uh, so, you know, I see that on a daily basis of people uh, that uh, have different illnesses, diseases. They have injuries. So we, it's mainly an orthopedic center that I work at. And, you know, when you have something that's not working, whether it be neurological or whether it be physical uh, in nature, um, you know, it can cause a limp. Right now I'm dealing with some plantar fasciitis in my foot. And so every day I've been going through and trying to find different shoes, you know, that will help me so I'm, it's not killing me just to, to walk every day. Uh, so I know about this. You, if you're not, if you, it starts from the ground and goes up. And so we make sure that we're walking in truth. Second uh, John 4 says, I have rejoiced greatly that I found my children, or found of thy children, walking in truth. 3 John 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And, you know, pastors and people that are discipling, man, that's an awesome thing. When you see the people that you're discipling start to grow and start to get to that place where they're coming alongside you and doing ministry, uh, and it may, not, it may be working with you, it may be in another area, but they're starting to serve, they're starting to grow, they're starting to get it. Man, that's awesome. It's an awesome thing to see. And God, God's a good God. And so he gives you those little milestones. He gives you those little uh, wins because there's going to be losses. Uh, and so it's necessary. It, he knows that we need this. He knows that we need to see uh, our children walking in truth. And it, it's an affirmation that God's working in their life uh, to see them doing that. So, But... As, as we've seen, there's also a deficiency, and that deficiency is weakness. If only we could just cover, cover the positive stuff, right? You know, so, uh, we, we all have deficiencies no matter where, what stage we're at. So spiritual children are walking, um, but they're still weak in doctrine. And, man, I can't, I can't tell you how important this step is. Um, particularly in the age that we live in, in the last days in Laodicea, we are getting bombarded with things that are Christian, right? But they're really not scriptural, and they're really not biblical. Um, you know, I could go into a lot of things. You know, I, I, uh, Brother Allen mentioned yesterday about Asbury. Uh, and you can you can take that for what it's worth. I think if you've got the spirit of God and you've got a Bible, uh, you can kind of uh, you can kind of read between the lines on some of that stuff. Um, but we need to see and make sure that we are grounded in this book, because um, that's the only thing that we're going to be able to stand on, especially in these last days. And these spiritual children need to be able to stand on that. And if they're weak in it. Um, then they're going to be vulnerable to deceit. And you may think, oh, that happens in church. Sure it does. Sure it does. You know, we get exposed to, you have people that crept in, you know, creep in unawares. Uh, you have wolves that creep in, uh, and they start deceiving the sheep. Um, 
Satan himself can transfer you know, his ministers into ministers of light. They can deceive, the, deceive even the brethren sometimes. And so we need to make sure as leaders, uh, as pastors, as she- people that are shepherding others, that we protect this. At. You know, we make sure that we protect our, the p- children that we're leading. Um, and so how do we protect them? Well, we make sure we know this book. Right. And we make sure that we're giving them what they need, right? Uh, Ephesians 4, 14 says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine but by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Uh, so how do we recognize someone uh, in this stage? Of, oh, no, we don't have that part, okay. But how do you recognize someone? Well, as children want to be involved in everything, right? Uh, let me do this. Let me do that. Let me, you know, we're, they're very eager. Uh, and so we need to make sure that we are um, kind of pumping the brakes on some of that uh, if, we're, if we're leading somebody. It's great that they're eager. It's great that they want to help, uh, but they need to help in the proper order. And what needs to be added is temperance. And temperance is the process of strengthening by purging and adding items. So, you know, like tempered steel, you tempered glass, you know, everybody kind of familiar with that process. Well, that's basically a process of refinement, whatever material it is, it's a process of refinement uh, that takes away the impurities and makes it stronger when it's done, right? Uh, and man, that's what we all need to be doing. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Um, Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others... I myself should be a castaway. So even Paul, as great a, a Christian as he was, and um, I, I believe his, we're all here because of Paul. I really do believe that, and obviously because of Jesus Christ, but he's the greatest Christian in the New Testament. He is, the great, he is really kind of the instrument that allowed us all to be here. Um, and so when you think about that, he had to bring himself into subjection. Uh, because he had to make sure that he tempered uh, all things in his life. So, as a babe, uh, you lay aside sins, and as a child, you lay aside weights so you can win. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Uh, you know, there's some things that we need to make sure that we're uh, not being dragged down with. And notice sins and weights. Jay said, you know, because the words are different, you can be a pastor. But it's really that simple. Sin is one thing. Weight is another. And so those weights can be a lot of different things. Those weights can be good things. They can be your family. They can be your children. They can be your job. They can be a lot of things that maybe enable you to uh, make a living, maybe. Um, they can even be ministry things. Um, just because it's labeled ministry, just because it's uh, a good thing, 
Is it a needful thing? You know, you think about Mary and Martha. There were some things, there was, there were some busy, busyness going on, uh, but one was listening at the feet of Jesus because it was needful, and the other was just doing things. So we need to make sure that we are in that, in that process as we're discipling others and ourselves, that we're doing the things that are needful. So make sure, you know, that we are laying aside the weights so we can run the race that God has set before us. And so that gets us to our next stage, and that's the young man. I was hoping maybe we could get, I would like to get through a little quicker, so maybe we can have time for questions. It start, ends at 12, right? So, Okay, so the next one is the young man. Uh, and there's, the milestone is spiritual strength. And you think about this for those of us that maybe played sports in high school, and you think as you start to, mature you start working out and, and doing all those things you start developing you start training um, and it kind of emphasizes that you start thinking maybe you know you're starting to be somebody you're looking at your dad thinking maybe you can take him or something like that you know uh, I made that mistake um, my dad is 70 how old is he now 75 I still I, I still wouldn't mess with him so um, but there's that spiritual strength that we see in, as a young man. And they are strong. First John 2.14 says, I have written a new young man because ye are strong. Uh, and Proverbs 20 and 29 says, The glory of young men is their strength, and the beauty of old men is the gray head. I don't know about that one, but it's getting there. So, uh, so yeah, so what they are is they're strong in the, in the Word of God, right? Uh, it's because they have the Word of God abiding in them and if you don't have that word of God abiding in you if it hasn't made that 12 inch or for some of us maybe a little shorter that 12 inch um, trip from your head and your ears to your heart it's going to be hard to do ministry it's going to be hard to do it in a way that's pleasing to God you may do activities you may do things um, you know that look maybe religious uh, but it's not going to be sincere, and it's not going to have, you're not going to have any power in the ministry that you're trying to do. So uh, you have to have that Word of God abiding in you. First John 2.14 talks about that, the Word of God. Hebrews 5.14 says, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You've got to get in this book. I mean, and it ta- it's work, and you have to use it. Uh, you can tell who reads the Word of God and who doesn't just by, by the words that come out of their mouth. Um, and so do the words of God, they can't come out if they're not in you, right? Uh, and so we need to make sure as a young man and as a young woman that we have those words abiding in us. And we've overcome the wicked one because of that uh, strong um, reason of use. First John 2.13 says, I write unto you young men because ye have overcome the wicked. One fourteen also says that as well. Uh, so you're not going to overcome the wicked one without the word of God in you. But there is a deficiency, uh, and that's immaturity. And unfortunately, you know, as, we, as I've been in ministry for a minute... Um, and even in my own life, sometimes this immaturity still creeps up, now, no matter what stage you're at. Um, and just because, and I wanted to say this earlier, but 
we're never where we think we are. Sorry. <laughs> so whatever, wherever you're at and whatever lesson you're on or wherever, wherever you're at in this stage, man, don't get full of yourself. You haven't arrived. None of us have grown in the stature and fullness of Christ. Um, so just be a tri- striving to attain that, but realize it's probably not going to happen. So uh, just do the best you can, and, and with God's grace, he'll, he'll work through you. So he'll take your weakness. When you're weak, he can be strong, right? Spiritual young man's heart and heart, heart and mind are still growing. Titus 2.6 says, Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. And so there ought to be some, at this stage, things ought to start, there ought to be a seriousness that starts to happen. You, there should be a, a point where you realize, I'm not fooling around. I'm starting to get serious about God's mission. I'm starting to get serious about what God is wanting me to do and calling me to do. There ought to be, at that point, a recognition of, I have some spiritual gifts and abilities that God has given me. And we all have a spiritual gift. If you don't know that, you need to get with somebody to help you figure out what that is. Um, but there ought to be some recognition of that. And at this point, you ought to start walking in that and walking in the confidence that you have that. But um, they're not a father yet either. A young man is not yet a father. 1 Corinthians 4.15, For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you have not many fathers. But in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. And there is a thing that needs to be added. That's patience. And don't we love patience? You know, know, the saying is in church, well, don't ever pray for patience. Um, But you shouldn't. You need patience. Uh, it's, it's a necessary part of this. Uh, and patience is about enduring difficulty. It has a perfecting work in the believer's life. James 1, 3, and 4, knowing this is the trying of your faith, worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So without patience, you will never get to that stage of maturity. You will never get, be complete uh, and mature that God, the place that God wants you to be at. Um, and I'll say, man, we need to make sure that we're not uh, limiting that growth. We make sure that as we're discipling somebody, give them opportunities to fail. Jay's, Jay's giving me one right now. So uh, <laughs> it's part of the growth process. And they will never learn if they don't fail. I'm, I was thankful for what Kenny said. I don't, I don't know that I've, I'm not as mature as he is. I don't know that I'm that thankful for for the uh, for the failures, it's not my best friend yet. But it's uh, you need to fail. It's part of the process, and you need to let your disciple fail. Um, if you don't give them that opportunity, they're never going to grow. Next, and it goes to the next stage five. And so, what is the difference between a young man and a father? Well, it's spiritual fruit, right? It's reproduction. It's it's offspring. Sorry if I'm running fast, you guys. I apologize. So, um, so it's offspring, right? Spiritual young men know the Word of God, but fathers know the God of the Word. Right? First uh, John 2.13, I write unto fathers because you have known Him that is from the beginning. And so there is a place that you get to as a father uh, that you start to bear fruit. 
whether you win somebody to Christ and disciple them, or you you find somebody in your church that is ready to be discipled, and you start you bring them alongside you and go through that process with them, uh, and you start pouring your life into them. Uh, there is a reproduction process in place for that, and the intimacy of knowing the Father is what brings forth fruit. So it's not just that you know about God. I knew about God for a long time. I was saved at six years old. You know, I had seasons in my life where uh, I lived for God and then I lived for myself. Um, But I knew about God. But I didn't know God because I didn't know this book. This is how God is going to communicate His truth to you. This is how God... Um, this is the mind of Christ right here. If you want to know him, get in this book. Uh, and that's the only way you're going to know him. You won't know him through um, secular reasons. You won't know him through experiences. Um, you know him through this book. And so the intimacy knows of knowing the Father brings fruit. Psalm 103.7, this is cool. He made known his ways unto Moses... His acts unto the children of Israel. Israel knew about God. They saw the things that he did. Moses was on the mountain with him. Um, Israel looked at the things that God had for them. You just, Moses, you just tell us. You go up to the mountain. You, you just tell us what God wants us to do. They didn't want that intimacy with, with God, right? Uh, so we have to want that. So spiritual fathers produce offspring, and they lead offspring. So this is, you know, the saying is, you know, anybody can, uh, you know, make a child, but just because you can make a child, doesn't that doesn't make you a father, right? Um, and man, we could really look at the churches. You can look at our culture to see uh, the the the. Uh, how, how really we've lost our way. And Jay mentioned that earlier. Just because uh, we can get some, man, we should do evangelism. It's part of the Great Commission. Uh, that's the first step in it. But we get them saved. Well, have a good one. I'll see you. I'll see you in heaven, right? And then we just leave them floundering for, for themselves. Uh, we need to make sure that we are taking those people and walking them through these processes uh, once we get them saved. Uh, and we need to lead them. Uh, don't leave them to their own uh, desires, and, and, and really, it can really cause a lot of problems. So, um, and so we need to lead them, and then we ought there to be followed. Wherefore I beseech you, be you followers of me. Paul said this, and so as you're following Christ, Paul said, then you're following me, and that was a, a huge statement for him to make. So that means as a discipler, if you're making that statement, you ought to be living holy. You ought to be living righteously. That you're not just taking that, those lessons, you know, here, you take this, I'll do this. You need to make sure that you're living those lessons out for them uh, so they, they can follow you. And they do have a deficiency, immature children. Uh, spiritual fathers are called to bring up their children, chasten their children, and nurture their children. We have the responsibility to lead them uh, to maturity. And you've got some uh, verses. Uh, I may not have those verses. Ephesians 6, 4. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Uh, so there's going to be times where you're going to have to um, 
lead them, but there's also going to be some times when you have to chasten them. And that, that is, I'm all for grace, man. God's had a lot of grace in my life, uh, you know, but there also has to be truth there as well. And so if you're having in that process, wherever you may be, uh, there's going to be times when you have to sit across from the person you're discipling and say, hey, man, here's what I see in your life. Let's talk about it. I still have those meetings with Jay. I still have those people, that, those meetings with the people I disciple. Uh, so, so it never ends. I mean, we need to be open to that. We need to be open to that correction. You think about uh, they made a great, what they're doing on, in the morning sessions. You see those contrasts in second, first and second Samuel, right? Um, Eli, Samuel, they didn't lead their children, right? Um, they were doing holy things and godly things. They were following God. They just weren't bringing their children alongside them, right? Uh, so we need to make sure that God, godliness is added to that. Oh, you did have those. I'm sorry. Uh, so add godliness to it. First Timothy 3.16 says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preaching to the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in the glory. Now let's move fast. Next stage, say six. And this is the elder. So, you know, and the and elder, overseer, pastor, you're going to see those terms kind of, uh, you know, brought together in Scripture. Uh, and there's a milestone there at spiritual leadership. And so these are the fathers that have been through some stuff, you know. And some of us that are pastors, some of us that have uh, kind of walked a minute, some of us more than others, you start, you have that experience, right? And some of it's good and some of it's bad. Um, and they have, we've raised children in maturity, maturity, and they can be trusted with leading others. 1 Peter 5, 1-3 says, The elders which are among you I exhort him also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And so we see this in 1 Peter 5. You see kind of these, um, the way that there is that you do the leading in a way that's pleasing to God. First, it's by feeding. It's by overseeing. By example. And then under Christ's authority. And they are to be respected. 1 Timothy 5.1 says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren. And so, you know, when people get to that stage, and your pastor or your senior pastor and the pastors that you have in this church, or in this church and your church, your respective churches, they should be respected. Uh, they have gotten to the, you know, it's not, they haven't gotten there by just happenstance. That, that has been, an, it's an ordained office that God has ordained and appointed, uh, and he's called them, and so that, that needs to be respected. And so we need to make sure that we uh, hold them, you know, in the proper and give them the proper respect that they're due. Now, you don't call them a father, you know. Sorry for anybody with a Catholic background here. I apologize. <laughs> Actually, I don't apologize. Never mind. Uh, so, you know, Matthew 20, 23, 9 says, And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father, which is in heaven. Right? Uh, and so, you know, we see this, that they are to be respected, but then there's also um, 
kind of the deficiency that we see, and that's the hard attitude. And why? Because this man leading people is frustrating. Sorry. It's exhausting. Sorry. And it's discouraging. You know, kind of, I ask about being a parent. You know, you think about that. It's exhausting having children. You know, physically, it's exhausting. My, you know, I feel for my wife. She she homeschools, uh, and I see the exhaustion when I come in from work every day, um, because it is exhausting. Exhausting, and so uh, same thing with leading uh, people. It can be, but uh, it's the only ministry and the only thing. It's God's design, and He's designed it for us. So, um, quickly, what needs to be added? We do this for not for lucre, uh, but a ready mind, not lording over, being an example. Uh, lead like Christ, right? I think that slide may be wrong. Okay. Well, I didn't do the slide, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just playing. There it is. Yeah. So what needs to be added? Brotherly kindness. Sorry, I guess I should have said I did the slide. I apologize. So. <laughs> this is a cool thing in here. Fathers learn the art of leadership. Elders learn the heart of leadership. And this is something that I've really, um, you know, had the privilege of leading people. When you can get their heart, they'll follow you into battle. Uh, you think about David. David had the heart of those men. Uh, and sometimes those hearts have to be re- recovered. Uh, but they will follow you if you have their heart. And lastly, we want to talk about this last stage. And it's the aged. And man, this is where, you know, it's almost, if you look back at, quickly at the, the picture, man, this guy's got a cane, he's been over, that really, that's where we all want to be, right? We all want to be just you know, dragging into the kingdom, you know, into the glory. Uh, but it's, that's really, you know, the picture may be from an age, from a age perspective as far as, uh, you know, chronologically, but spiritually, it's, it should look a lot different. Uh, and the spirit, there should be a spiritual legacy. You think about Paul in his life. When he got to the end, he could look back and say, I fought a good fight, right? I finished my course, uh, and I've kept the faith. Um, you think about all the people, and again, we're here because of Paul. We really are. Um, you know, and these aged men, they continue to bear fruit, and they are a resource for the elders of the church. And that needs to be held in esteem as well. Uh, there's things, there's aged men and there's people just as a young pastor or as a young leader, go to those men because they have an experience and they have some things that they can say, hey, br- brother, let's, let's just try to, let's walk through some of this together, uh, right? And the, but they continue to bear fruit in their old age. You think about Caleb. Caleb's a great example. He was 85 years old and he's like, man, I'm going to get my mountain, Joshua, because I'm still ready to do this. And so if you're an aged man in this room, or make sure that you're still trying to bear fruit. And you're, God's not finished with you yet. All right, Titus 2, 1 and 3. Uh, let's see. I don't have Titus 2, 1 and 3. Um, let's go f- quickly. So what needs to be added? And that was the deficiency. And then what needs to be added? Weariness is a deficiency. Sorry. Y'all got that? Sorry. And then lastly, what needs to be added is charity. 
because charity never faileth. And it's the bond of perfectness according to Colossians 3.14. If you, don't, if you get to this place and, and you don't love people, you're missing it. You're missing it. Jay, come on back up. Thank you, guys. All right. Uh, thank you, guys, man. We, we were coming in hot on this. Let me, before you close your binders, go back to that, that uh, snapshot of those, those picture of those dudes, the, the babe all the way to the aged. Uh, just for clarification, uh, because maybe you, maybe you sat through this and you're like, okay, are you telling me that uh, like discipleship, life on life discipleship is going to like in the context of our, our fellowship, we have a, a phase of this called discipleship one or life on life discipleship. And, and so you, you may be sitting there saying, man, is, is discipleship one going to get a guy from a babe in Christ all the way to a, a spiritually aged man or spiritually aged woman? The answer to that is no. Okay, so on that, on this Page, I would like you to draw a line between spiritual children and spiritual young men. You can just draw like a vertical line, so to speak, and, and, and just kind of separate the spiritual child from the, the spiritual young man. And over that babe, little child, and child, maybe just write life-on-life life discipleship, or, or D1. Many times we, we use that vernacular in our churches. We call it discipleship one. Now, what we, what we gave you today was an overview of the entire spiritual growth process, but we also know that the tool of discipleship one or life-on-life life discipleship will only get a person, you know, we could argue about this or, or have debate over it, but really it's just to move a person from a babe in Christ to someone who is walking and talking and worshiping Christ, to a spiritual child. Does that, does that make sense? So I just want you to know when James comes in tomorrow and talks about the goals of discipleship, what he's going to talk about is as it relates to that first phase of discipleship called life on life or, or discipleship one. So I just want to clarify, even though we gave you the whole overview, D1 really gets a person from a babe to, to someone who's walking with Christ. And then there's more things that, that come after, right, so they can continue, continue to grow. So I want to make that clarification. Let me pray for us. And then if you miss blanks or got questions, we'll stick around and, and help you in any way we can. Father, thank you for uh, the morning. Thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, thank you that we don't have to guess at spiritual growth. Uh, man, your word has everything we need uh, for life and godliness. And uh, Lord, thank you that you've given us a perfect, preserved word that lays even the sequence out so that we can understand it for our own life, and we can understand it for the people that we invest in. Thank you for these people, God, and, and it's great to see their hands. Everybody's a different place this morning. Uh, Lord, help us all grow in a right relationship with you for your glory. We love you and we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great lunch. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.